0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. (laughs) Look at those arms. Look at these arms. Yeah. (laughs) I love the heart. Just represents everything I'm loving about church at the moment. Life's a little bit cray-cray, isn't it, at the moment? I've got a new phrase I'm loving, I'm, I'm just, I've made it up, I'm just, I'm just, I'm saying yay yay and the cray cray. And um, I, I am praising God for what He's doing uh, in my life amongst us as a church, you know, because I find out, I've done a lot of church, I don't know about you, but um, people are really hard to shift when they're comfortable, have you ever noticed that? People are just hard to shift when you're just in the rut of doing your thing, you know, you're almost, you can get on autopilot of wake up on Sunday morning, go to church, do what you've got to do, go to work. Um, I think God likes to meet us in the mess, and uh, life has been a bit messy for uh, a lot of us, whether it's health, whether it's concerns, anxieties, Um, and look, I'm not diminishing what we're all going through at the moment, but um, I got taught as a rugby kid that uh, the only way you can tackle someone is when they're off their center of gravity. You've got to take them off their center of gravity first, and then you drive with the legs. Look at all the South Africans nodding. You know, it's like, you learn this, don't you, in school in South Africa, in kindy. It's just part of the curriculum over there. Anyway, I think um, as God takes us off center, we become more open um, to receive what it is from Him. So I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to praise Him for what He is doing amongst us at the moment, particularly in the craziness of life. Lord, uh, we declare You... Uh, To be the one who is in control. We declare that you still have the world in your hands. We declare that you are the one that is sovereign. We declare that you are the one who sees beyond our horizons. We declare that you are the one who knows the plans and the purposes for our lives. And we do that because we know that our hearts are going to betray us. They're going to tell us that you are not there or you are not with us or you are not for us. And so we thank you in advance, Father, for what you are doing in our lives. We say yay, yay in the cray-cray. We praise you. And even if that is an act of faith, then we thank you for that. Help us, Holy Spirit, bridge that gap between our head and our hearts this morning, wherever we may be at, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm going to talk about generosity again this morning. And before you flinch, (laughs) before you flinch... Um, what I want to talk about is is the thing, the tension that I feel when I guess on one hand, if you're like me, everyone wants to be generous. I haven't met anyone in this place that doesn't want to be generous. I think the challenge that we face is uh, how do we do that, or how do we even give in a way that makes a difference when we see so much stuff going on in the world and around us, and the problems just seem so huge. And what we see from these principles from the church before it got religious in the book of Acts, Um, really in there we see a great example and we see a key phrase that I want to give you this morning that uh, I believe will take away that sense of uh, inadequacy uh, and really purpose you in a new way. Uh, to live out a life of generosity and we're going to read from acts chapter 2 and then acts chapter 4 because we see a common pattern emerge here we've sat in acts chapter 2 for the last three weeks but we actually see a pattern emergent, emerging in the book of acts here in acts chapter 4 a little later on as the church is getting more mature it's getting bigger but they're doing exactly the same thing and have a read here it's up on the screens Acts chapter 2, verse 44, all the believers were together and they had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 35, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, what what I read from that passage is this, either property prices in Palestine were plummeting, (laughs) and they were getting out of the market (laughs) quick, or there was a dynamic that we've got to learn here, from this church before it got religious. And it's a powerful one, right? It sounds ridiculous that people would sell their homes, bring it to the altar here on a Sunday, can you imagine that? And that they would then begin distributing amongst anyone, not just the Christians, not just the believers, but anyone who had need that was within earshot of their community. That's a crazy dynamic. I mean, can you imagine a church like that in Sydney today, if people got a hold of that going on? (laughs) Uh, There we go. Just be generous. That's what the Scriptures say to us this morning. The application's really easy. That's all we've got to do. Uh, Worship team, we ready? Let's go. (laughs) Amen. Hey, uh, can we call a spade a spade? Uh, I don't know about you, but Ukraine, (laughs) New South Wales floods, bushfires, Tonga... (laughs) Anyone remember Tonga? That was just the other month, like a volcano blew up in the middle of the ocean. Tonga. Tonga. Um, Is it me or we're just feeling a little bit overwhelmed with the needs that are emerging around us at the moment? Like it feels pretty cray-cray. The world's just going nuts. And if you are feeling well, can I just call it up front, that's okay? It's okay because uh, John Eldridge, uh, a Christian author, he was in an interview with a guy called Kerry Newhoff, I was talking about compassion fatigue, um, this dynamic where you see just these needs and how overwhelming it is. And you just, you just become fatigued of the ass. Anyone, anyone daring enough to say in their heart, hey, I'm probably at that point. I feel like I'm just, I'm just kind of over it. I want to be generous, but I'm I'm just tired of all that is going on around us. And Eldridge has this, he had this fascinating line in the interview. He said, part of the reason that we're feeling so overwhelmed is that the human being was designed to have a village-sized soul. A village-sized soul. In other words, when we look at this church that was around back in those days, they were meeting in the temple courts. They were in Jerusalem. uh, uh, There was 3,000 added to their day, but they were doing life in homes and small groups and threes and fives. Here's what the church did not have back then. The church did not have, have back then a TikTok feed of everything that's happening in the Ukraine. Uh, the church didn't have back then social media feeds of everything that was going on in Tonga. Uh, the church didn't have back then this influx of messaging, right, that we seem to be having in our lives, that we're scrolling through time and time and time again. In fact, Eldridge goes on to say that part of the reason why mental health is becoming such a challenge for young people is they're just getting bombarded. You feeling this? Just bombarded with these needs in and around them. We've got village-sized souls, which then leaves us with that wrestle with that tension again, well, what do we do as Christians? Because we already know where I'm going to go today. You know, the Lord says that we're to be generous with what we've got. I just preached it three to four weeks ago. So, if you're watching online, you can go back and check the links, future-proofing your year investments. There's the message on generosity. Um, We're going to preach it again today, because my quick side note in that is, how's your generosity plan going for the year? We, we, We talk about it, but it takes us a while to shift into this space of generosity but it's there's a wrestle for us right we know that we should do something but then i feel like i'm just kind of overwhelmed and tapped out (laughs) compassion fatigue now there's two ways we can wrestle through this and you can work out how you want to wrestle through this Um, you can wrestle through it the religious way or you can wrestle through it the unreligious church before it got religious way we'd call that the gospel way the religious way or the gospel way the religious way to deal with generosity is religion Re- religion is basically doing all that you can to minimize what it is that you've got to do to you know obey and to pray and to pay wouldn't you agree when it comes to the christian life <laughs> isn't that what it is religion is just working out how do i find the minimum standard of obedience of spiritual life and of giving so that i would be accepted by god that's what religion is And you see religion popping up from the earliest parts of the church and the earliest parts of humanity. In fact, remember that great story that's told in the scriptures in Luke, Luke's eyewitness account of watching Jesus school this religious guy at a soiree one night. You know, they're having a few glasses of wine and the smarmy teacher of the law, the religious person, gets up and in verse 25, he says, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? "'What's written in the law?' Jesus replied. "'Well, how do you read it?' He answered. (laughs) And the religious guy says, "'Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul "'and with all your strength and with all your mind, "'and love your neighbour as yourself.'" And Jesus says, "'Great, you've answered correctly. "'Go and do that. Do this and you will live.'" And then it says, but then he tried to justify himself. Justify. In other words, he got religious on Jesus. He tried to work out what the minimum standard was. How much do I have to obey, pray, or pay Jesus? And he says, how much do I pay? What's it going to cost me? And who is my neighbor? Can you just tell me the person that I've got to do good stuff to so that I'll be accepted by God? And remember, Jesus tells that great story of the Good Samaritan. And it was the enemy of the Jews that offers a Jewish guy help on the side of the road. And the guy got absolutely schooled. (laughs) <laughs> that's what religion looks like what's the minimum standard what's the minimum standard religion says what's the minimum that I have to do to be generous to each other you know see because I think religious generosity if I could call it that you know religious generosity looks a bit like um, my wife and her Apple watch um, Kristen just got an Apple watch uh, for Christmas and uh, and she, she was she she comes up to me and she says and this is every um, Apple watch owners worst nightmare um, you know when you're an Apple watch owner and you've done all this exercise during the day and then yet yeah, you've left it on charge and you wa- you weren't wearing it have we got any of those types of people that like you're so obsessed with logging it <laughs> that it breaks your heart that you missed it and she realized she came in uh, the other day and she's just mortified i thought one of the kids like had, had, had b- got to go to hospital or something like she was terrible i said what's wrong and she said i left my apple watch on the charger after all that exercise <laughs> and then she does this she goes Will this work? Will this work? <laughs> I think most people give the way that Kristen tries to get exercise on an Apple Watch. Will this work? You know, it's visible, it's flashy, but it doesn't move God's dial. So it doesn't cost you. Of course that doesn't work when you do that with your Apple Watch. It didn't cost you. Apple Watch is too smart for that. God's too smart for that. That's the religious way. Does this this work? Does this work? Does this work? (laughs) What's the minimum standard? The religious way says, Apple Watch, wave the arms, get flashy, do this. The generous approach, Jesus says, when he was schooling this guy who was my neighbour, Jesus says, your neighbour is the one whoever crosses your path the one that god whoever god puts in your path whoever god intersects with you today whoever god puts a need in front of you tomorrow when you wake up and you go to work and you see someone that's struggling that's your neighbor whoever happens to have a need that you see and you can tell that they need that's your neighbor that's the generous approach (sighs) to which you go how does that help my sense of being overwhelmed? How does, that, how does That's just making it worse to him. And here's this, here's this phrase that's changed the way that I look at this. Here's the phrase that has um, immunized me in my life to a lack of action when it comes to generosity. And it's this. You ready for it? You can't do everything, but you can do something. You can't do everything, but you can do something. And that is what the church looked like before it got religious. You know, something happened in that church. Something happened in that dynamic that changed history. Like, this church changed calendars. This bunch of people, this gathered bunch of people, changed the course of history, and the primary way they did that was through their generosity. They were so generous that people were attracted to them. They were so generous. Listen to the evidence of this. This is, this is the Roman Emperor Julian in 360 AD talking about Christians a, hundred, a couple of hundred years on from this moment that we're talking about this morning. He says, why do we not observe how the benevolence of Christians to strangers has done the most to advance their cause? For it is disgraceful that the impious Galileans support not only their poor, but ours as well, whilst everyone is able to see that our own people lack aid from us." Wow. What does that? The church before it got religious loved, they loved giving to people, it was their generosity, Acts chapter 2 verse 45 said they sold property in their possessions to anyone who had a need you know the bible says that they devoted themselves this word devoted means that they literally gave themselves away sacrificially to one another they gave themselves away to one another there was a radical unselfishness about them and so most practically what they had is this posture this lifestyle of indiscriminately giving away their love their lifestyle and their loot and I, I, use, I use those words because we often think generosity just means money. But how many times have I said, generosity is not money. Generosity is the transfer of anything that is of value. For some of you, giving away money is the easy, quick fix. Just, all right, here's the check, okay? Because your time is more precious to you than money in that moment. It's the giving away of something that costs you. Unless it costs you in some way, then... <laughs> But there was a dynamic about them and and why were they like this because i think in in acts chapter four again and god's grace was so powerfully at working in them that there were no needy persons among them from time to time those who owned the land and the houses sold them bought money from them and put them at the apostles feet and it was distributed to anyone who had in need now what we're not saying here is a legalistic approach of go sell your house and bring it here next week if you want to do it and the lord leads you that way just saying, it's between you and him, <laughs> right? In fact, um, I know Mark Scandrett. Anyone remember Mark Scandrett? You know, the crazy-looking American dude that I love dearly. Um, Mark Scandrett, there was a guest speaker here. He literally did that. He literally sold his house and gave away half his house in the in the product of this tight-knit Christian community. Now, um, did all of San Francisco suddenly go into revival? No. Like it was, it was part of his act of devotion to God. And in fact, he's said to me through uh, coffee when he was out here last that he's not sure if he would get that in literal and intense again. But I do find it wondrous that someone literally got to that point in their spiritual walk to release their possessions in such a way. There had to be something that moved that church and even someone like Mark in the modern day sense to sell a house and and give it away to the homeless of San Francisco. And what is it? I think it says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work amongst them. And when I look at this passage, and I don't know about you, but when I look at the commonality between their giving, it was this, in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, it was this, that their generosity tended to follow an encounter with God. It wasn't a big preach, it wasn't an appeal, they didn't get the worship band up, start playing some 6-8 music so everyone started swaying, turn the lights down, no rattling of buckets around the place, no cards, like it was none of that stuff. It says that like there was preaching and there was praying in anxiety and worry, and then God is shaking the place, and the result of the encounter was generosity. And, and so every time they encountered God, they were generous. And I think for two reasons. The first thing is when you encounter with God, my experience is an encounter with God pulls you out of your own self-interest. <laughs> when you see the greatness of God, you just go, He's God, and, and I'm small, and it's, it's not about me. It's not about me. And so people suddenly realize that that it's it it's not about me anymore. No one claimed to have any of their possessions of their own. In fact, anyone who is gospelized, who becomes a Christian, realizes that when they become a Christian, everything that is ours has come from god in the first place remember david in second chronicles 14 they're giving to the temple they raised the modern day equivalent of like two to three billion dollars to to build the temple and david says who are we to give as generously as this because everything comes from your hand anyway a christian realizes that what i have is not mine when they have an encounter with god so it pulls them out of self-interest but then it also purposes you for blessing others a christian is someone who says you know what like I've been purposed to take these resources to bless other people. And so it frees them from from holding on to this the whole time. But as we said last week, this is what encounter worship. Remember Toby Jug, that ugly looking jug that I had last week, if you weren't here last week? Watch the message online and you'll see the ugliest looking mug you've ever seen. And that is not my face, by the way, um, on the stream. It's just part of the message (laughs) But remember, Antiques Roadshow, like when we, when we worship God and we come to realize that we are in possession of something that is infinitely valuable and we elevate that in our lives, then we move to a point to say what we have in our hands in here is nothing compared to this. And as we continue to worship and encounter Him, the more we come into that reality, the more generous we become. And so that's what I've got to ask us is, Or ask you in particular, because I've asked myself this question, where does your generosity come from? So does does it come from appeal or does it come from encounter? Because don't get me wrong, like well, I don't want to appeal to you this morning. I don't want you to give this morning. Like, what I want this morning for you is to give you the one who makes you give, to give you the dynamic to give, to give you the one that moves you beyond yourself and liberates you from your own self-interest that's what I want to happen today and can I suggest that if it doesn't come from encounter please don't give don't give because you'll be building a generosity that's just on the basis of shame and appeal and all the rest of it don't don't (laughs) don't but if you are interested in how to get liberated from this sense of being overwhelmed here it is you can't do everything but you can do something And so, quite simply this morning, it means, first and foremost, do you have a plan for generosity? We've talked about this. And here's why a plan is so vital. A a, a plan, we've spoken about this, a a plan, having a generosity plan for 2022, a plan frees you from that sense of guilt and inadequacy that you feel. You know, when someone asks you and calls you on the phone and asks you for a donation? Have Have you guys ever felt... That tension within you around, I want to give, and then you say no, and then you hang up the phone, and you go, oh, I feel bad, like they're a worthy cause. Here's, here's why a plan really, really works, is that the plan gives you the power of a deeper yes. You see, when, when you say yes to a plan, and you say no to the appeal, you're not actually saying no. What you're saying is, I've said yes. To this deeper reason jesus says where your treasure is your heart is there also what you're saying to that person is not no you are unworthy there's not a need there you're not saying any of that you're just saying i'm saying no to you because i've found a deeper yes here i've prayed about it i've thought about it it's where my heart is and so therefore i'm placing my treasure into that place and your area of need is not in line with what i feel god leading me to does that make sense So a plan's actually vital in liberating you from that sense of awkwardness and guilt when it comes to gifting. And here's the other powerful thing that a plan does. A plan beta meinhoffs your approach to generosity. All you marketers out there, do you know what I mean by the beta-Meinhof principle? You'd you'd know this. Have have you ever ever noticed this when you you go looking for a particular uh, model of car? And when you're looking for a car, and the car that you're looking for, and you're out on the road you suddenly see like every car happens to be a Mazda 3. Have you, have you ever noticed that? It's called the Beta-Meinhof principle. It's kind of like you just drive out of your driveway. It's just like swarms of Mazda 3s come out of it. It's just like the most mysterious thing in the universe. It's like I never noticed them before, but they're everywhere. It's like a whole world of Mazda 3s. <laughs> it's, it's your mind, as it focuses and locks in on that thing, suddenly sees that way more clearly. And what I'm suggesting to us this morning is let's like Beta mine off the guts out of our generosity. In other words, when we develop a plan to be generous and say, I want to be generous, suddenly you start seeing opportunities and needs like Mazda 3s that are swarming at you. I can see that need there. I can see that now. I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. And more often than not, there will be needs that are aligned with where you feel God has led your heart and God is leading you to generosity. So a plan actually promotes and purposes the needs that you see in front of you jesus it says when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them you know it's my favorite greek pastor version of a swear word splagnitsomai it's what we pastors say when we hit our thumbs with hammers splagnitsomai right we but splagnitsomai means to see something to the extent that it shifts your heart to action out of compassion so when you have a plan and suddenly you beta a off all the needs that are in front of you you can meet those needs that are placed in front of you and you can say no to the needs that are worthy but don't align with where the lord has placed your heart see this morning as we finish so many of us are overwhelmed we feel like that and what i need you and i and us to resist is this notion that because it seems so big I can't do anything. (laughs) Of course you can't do everything, but you can do something. And the precious, amazing, purpose thing about your life this morning, in this moment, if you are still breathing, if you are with us, if you're within the sound of my voice, is that I believe that God has purposed you to intersect with a whole range of needs which are in accordance with His sovereign plan over the whole world. It's why, as a pastor, I can say this morning, God still has the world in His hands because He is placing people in the Ukraine, as we speak, amongst all the horror that is happening there, a country that is 83% Christian. He is placing fireflies into the lives of people to meet some of the needs of people who are in all sorts of trouble over in that situation God has got that in control of course you can give off into those areas they're going to support that if that is a need that stirs your heart but God has that in control the one thing that he doesn't have in control is the choice around our hearts this morning as to whether or not we will see the needs of those that he places in front of us and whether or not we will meet them practically because you're going to have every temptation when you it's going to happen tomorrow to me you're going to see a need right in front of you someone's going to bump into you it's going to match the plan it's part of the purpose you see the need you're spagnitomai and you do what i do you see the need and you say lord thank you that you've bumped this person into me and lord i would pray that you would just bring the right people around them at the right time and in the right moment and the right church and the right resources in jesus name Bless them, Father, I pray. <laughs> he brought you into their life because Ephesians 4 says that you are God's workmanship, His poema, His unique thumbprint, the one that He has prepared and purposed to do good works that He has in front of you this week. The deep divine mystery is that God will be bumping you and I into all sorts of needs this week that come our way, and we doesn't expect you to solve everyone in the world, but He expects you to solve the one that is right in front of you because we can't do everything but we can do something so as we uh, get ready to take communion this morning we're going to do something uh, a little bit different we're going to have a time of worship as we take communion and as we recognize the sacrifice that jesus christ has made for us we take that big story and we click our lives up into that sacrifice that He made for us. And so as it costs us, we realize, well, what did it cost our God to love us? (laughs) God asked you for something this morning when it cost Him everything. And it's in this moment, remember I said, I don't want you to give this morning. I want to give you the one who causes you to give. And so there will be an opportunity uh, to give this morning. Uh, There will be um, links in our online platform. There will be a link up on the slide uh, as we give this morning, as we take up an offering, it'll be a little bit different this morning because the offering taken up this morning uh, won't go to us as a church. We'll live out the principle of Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We're not taking up the offering for Northside this morning. Uh, all of the offering that is taken up this morning is going to go to Convoy of Hope, uh, which is an organization who is working directly with all of the flood-affected victims in Lismore, I met with Joel Bell, their CEO, this week and heard what they're up to on the ground and he was heading down to Lismore. And so um, we're giving to an organisation that we know is effectively transferring those resources um, into an area. We can't do something about the Ukraine, about Ukraine, sorry, but we can do something about what is happening in our state closer to home. And so in the spirit of all that we've read about this morning, <laughs> we may not have sold houses, but we're bringing the resources that we have together The church so we can give to those who are in need and so if you're a part of our church this morning you've already given via your offering thank you for the part that you play if you give with us this morning know that as we worship it uh, it's not going to us so um, feel free to move around the room all the offering is up uh, not the offering the uh, communion is up the back of the auditorium as the worship team comes up now Uh, if you're up there and you want to donate this morning the qr codes are on the offering box box or the cash box up the back there and you can be a part of that as well but let's rejoice this morning in the fact that we continue this legacy that was birthed in that church before it got religious, that we gather together, we pull what we have, we give to those in need, in trusting um, that God is using us to bless others that we've never met. That's a beautiful thing. It purposes us this morning. It's a good way to start the week. <laughs> it's a noble way to start the week. And we say that in all humility as we pray to Him now. Father thank you for all the blessing that you pour upon us in our lives I pray into this moment as we give this morning that it comes from the dynamic that we've seen from your church this morning one of encounter one of worship one of reflection one of prioritization one of proportion So as we hold this cup in our hand. As your followers, we thank you for what it is that it cost you to love us and to be generous to us. And we would pray that by your Holy Spirit, we each would be moved into greater levels. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au